And I'll get in trouble if I don't return the favour and let you know that the uh, worship leader's not too bad herself. So, how are we all this evening? Have we had a good week? Good. Well, um, last month I had a rubbish week. Um, there was a week at work, most of it stemmed from work. Um, it seemed like that everything that could go wrong pretty much did go wrong. Um, we had a few key personnel off-site. Um, the workload was just nuts. I, um, I managed to average 77 phone calls per day that week. Yes, I did count them afterwards. And uh, if you're interested in the maths, it worked out to be about a phone call every eight minutes over a 10-hour workday. But come Friday, after work, we had a family dinner at my sister's place where dinner was cooked and I was blessed in that I could just relax in the welcoming hospitality of good food and great family. What I realised when I drove home that night was how lucky I was to be able to have that time and realise that for many people who had an equally rubbish um, week at work, that instead of having that place, maybe they were going home to an empty house. And maybe that my experience wasn't actually that common. So, do you guys have people or places in your life that you can go to get that feeling of hospitality? It doesn't have to be family dinners. It can just be a beer with mates, maybe a coffee stop with a close friend. And on a greater level, do you have, can you get that feeling of being cared for or being loved? Or maybe you're in a stage of your life where you might not have that opportunity. You see, the deep human connections found in catching up and building relationships are connections that we all desire and we need. Who doesn't love a good family meal? But the problem of real loneliness can affect anyone. While speaking before the US Congress, Mother Teresa told them, the greatest disease in the West today is not TB or leprosy. It is being unwanted, unloved and uncared for. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair and hopelessness is love. There are many in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, but just as much are dying for a little love. She would later write that the poverty in the West is a different kind of poverty. It is not only a poverty of loneliness, but also of spirituality. There's a hunger for love, and there is a hunger for God. In this day and age, there seems to be less and less time for cultivating true community with face-to-face interaction. Through social media, a community has the appearance of being deep and meaningful, but studies continue to show that these avenues fail to provide the intimacy and human connection that we truly desire. In fact, they fill our world with more distractions from intimacy than maybe we imagine. Now, there are lots of sermons and messages around on God's hospitality and how good it is and how great it is, but what if tonight we take a different tact and we look at why God might need our hospitality instead 
instead of the other way around. So let's jump into a passage in the Bible from Luke, which has something to say about this. As a bit of a backstory to this passage, Jesus is about to enter Jerusalem after a period of teaching across the countryside. He knows that once he enters, he is starting the chain of events that will, spoiler alert, lead to his eventual betrayal and death. No matter how bad my or your week has been, I can't really see it topping nailed to a cross levels. Fair to say Jesus, remembering that at this stage he's still feeling human emotions like us, is probably feeling somewhat apprehensive, scared and even a touch lonely. And this is where we pick up tonight's reading, which to keep you guys as a captive audience, I have prepared in a video format. The story of Easter, the triumphal entry. This is Jesus, who is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. While Jesus was on earth, he taught everyone about God's love and healed people from their sickness. He did many miracles like calming storms and even raised people from the dead. At this time, the Jewish people were celebrating a festival called Passover that had been celebrated since the time of Moses, when God brought his people out of Egypt. So Jesus was going to Jerusalem to celebrate. Jesus and his disciples stopped in the town. And Jesus told two of his disciples to go on ahead of them. Okay. He told them to go into a village and that they would see a young donkey that no one had ever ridden. He told them to untie it and bring it to him. If anyone asks, what are you doing? He told them to just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. So the disciples did what Jesus said and brought him the donkey. A long time ago, before Jesus was even born, God had said that the Savior, the King of Israel, would come to Israel in this way. And now Jesus was doing just as God had said. The news that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem swept through the city. Many heard about all the amazing things he had done, so they cut palm branches and ran to see him. The Pharisees and religious rulers realized that there was nothing they could do, for everyone was going to see Jesus. Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem, and the crowd spread their coats on the road ahead of him. His followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. The Pharisees were upset, and they told Jesus to stop the people from saying things like that. But Jesus said, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into tears. So the people kept on singing, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered, asking, who is this? And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, 
and Jesus rode the donkey through the street of Jerusalem to the temple in a triumphal entry, just as God said he would many years before. So that's a nice bit of welcoming for our mate Jesus there. Might made him feel um, just a little bit happier, and I'm sure he appreciated that as he came into Jerusalem. Now, a few days later, just before Jesus faced his death, he spoke to his disciples on the Mount of Olives in East Jerusalem. In a parable, he told them, Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter, you who are blessed by my Father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here's why. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was homeless, and you gave me a room. I was shivering, and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you stopped to visit. And I was in prison, and you came to me. Then those people are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling the solemn truth. Whatever you did, one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it for me. So, if we are coming at it from the angle of God needing our hospitality, I guess the first question you may ask is why? Why does the creator of this whole entire world need anything from us, let alone our hospitality? To make it nice and simple for you guys tonight, I've kept it to two simple answers. First one, to build a relationship with us. And the other reason he wants our hospitality is to allow his love to be passed to us and on to others. So let's flesh out these two whys and also have a bit of a look at how we would go about doing these things. Firstly, God wants our hospitality so he can build a relationship with us and us with him. If you ever feel like being a Christian is getting a little bit complicated, I feel you can really simplify it to just this, having a genuine relationship with God. Now, I am not God, nor I reckon are any of you in the audience tonight, but I will try put us in his shoes for a quick analogy to help us envisage why he wants our hospitality. Imagine you have two dogs whom you've had since little pups. You've cared and loved for them as they have grown up. Now imagine you've been away for some time and you come home one day and you open the door and one of the dogs is lying at the back of the house and kind of just lifts his head up, has a look at you, has a yawn and then just keeps on lying there. Whilst the other dog comes bounding up to you, welcoming you home and wants to be your best friend. Now I'm sure you still love both of your dogs, but which one of you is giving you the which one is giving you the most joy and happiness in that moment? Which one of those wants that relationship with you? Now if God was the dog owner, which one of the dogs would you want to be? You see God who created this whole world wasn't satisfied with a beautiful looking earth or even the animals that filled it. Nope. He then created humans in his image so he could have a relationship with us. Let that sink in for a moment. The creator of the world, everything, has made us just so that we can hang out. 
And the thing is, the key thing is that God's generally not in the business of forcing himself upon us. So he actually requires us to invite him into our lives and to want that relationship. So, how do we build that passionate relationship with God? Well, it's quite simple. You just spend time together. If your schedule doesn't allow time to be spent with God, you just need to fix that. Wake up 10 minutes earlier in the morning, watch one less thing on TV. Whatever it is that's taking up too much in your day, just do it a little less. Life is about balance. Yes, the harsh reality is there are things that we need to do, such as go to work, but life is not just about these things. I cannot explain enough how spending 15 minutes alone with God each day will literally change your world. And secondly, God wants our hospitality so his love can be passed from us on to others. You see, when you bless someone by opening your house to them, there is a high chance that they will in turn bless you. If we go back to the dog analogy, if we are like the one that bounds up to God to welcome him home, is he not going to show us his love? just like a dog owner would pat and rub that welcoming pooch. We can then take that love and then we can show it to other people. How better to learn how to show love than to experience from our God his all-encompassing love. And to get that love, we literally just need to ask. It's so simple. Ask and just spend some time. And isn't that one of the greatest ways to present our faith to the world? For non-Christians, people who haven't experienced that yet, surely witnessing that sort of hospitality, care and love would be enough to ignite just some form of curiosity into the Christian faith. And maybe that's all they need. Now this sounds great in theory, but it does involve us sometimes doing things we wish we didn't have to. It might mean going out of our way to help someone or caring for someone which might cause a bit of an inconvenience on our lives. However, while it may be easier and more practical to avoid the messy lives of others, our lives are, in the process, deprived of what makes us human. You see, this feeds back into the passage that we read earlier. Whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored, You did it to me. You did it to God. So shall we do a bit of a quick recap and the band can come up if you want. Um, So God is great at hospitality, but he also needs us to show him hospitality. And he needs us to show him this because he wants us to build a relationship with us and this involves us welcoming him into our lives. And number two, It's to allow his love to be passed from us and on to others because this allows us to spread his love and his word into the world. Just think, if we here sitting in this room tonight could practice true hospitality like we've talked about, we could play a significant part in changing our corner of the world.